This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back. It's the Lions 24-7 podcast. Tyler Donahue, Sean Fitz with you once again, and it's a Pretty impactful week here at Penn State as the roster expands and people return to campus. We just saw a few photos produced by Penn State uh, of the team gathering in Holuba Hall. Uh, socially distanced, of course, but in these basically perfectly distanced chairs situated for a large team meeting. And uh, one thing about 2021 is you kind of know what to expect. You know that it's going to be extraordinary circumstances and Unlike last year, getting hit with a ton of bricks uh, in February going into March and seeing everything change. As James Franklin said, they have contingency plans in place. And that's right, we had James Franklin this week saying a lot, about 45 minutes plus with him on Monday afternoon. The first availability with the Penn State head coach since immediately after the Illinois game. We didn't even speak with him after they announced no bowl game. So a lot to catch up on there. You'll actually hear from James Franklin on a couple really important topics, including that offensive coordinator change. Uh, We begin, Sean, just circling back to something that we focused in on last episode. All seven of those early enrollees that we anticipated, they are on campus. They are here They are underway with school. The semester for the spring open on Tuesday and uh, getting acclimated with that college lifestyle. You heard from Nate Bruce and Christian Veyu last week, the offensive lineman, the quarterback. You will hear from Landon Tengwall later in the week here in the Lions 24-7 podcast, the highest rated member of this freshman group who got to campus uh, on Saturday himself. But I just wanted to, to start with that, Sean, before we dive into the James Franklin conversation. Yeah, it always it always helps to cross the T's and dot the I's. Those guys, of course, nobody expected any sudden left turns right before, uh, before the January enrollment process started. So it's good to get those guys confirmed. Uh, I guess the, uh, the transfers are, are next to be confirmed, uh, the four guys that they're expecting in for the spring. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's just, uh, moving ahead, moving forward. And, and I think that that's, uh, uh, there's been a lot of good news in this this off season, so we'll, we'll keep the bad news aside and, and and just keep going with what we're going with because it seems to be working. We've gotten some closure with a few things of the senior class as we addressed last episode. We know what their plans are. We can move on from there. We know who's on campus now as freshmen. We will know who will be on campus later in the year as freshmen. What we didn't exactly know was what led up to and and what the thoughts were in the aftermath from James Franklin regarding this offensive coordinator change because he went on record on Monday and we have a little bit more clarity there now. Um, that was the primary conver- point of conversation, Sean, was uh, this change that that really shook things up, surprised a lot of us. And uh, we, we mentioned on the podcast, just something we did not see coming with Kirk Shiraka after one year uh, being removed as your offensive coordinator and quarterback coach. And then uh, Mike Yersich, uh, formerly most recently of the Texas Longhorns, previously with Ohio State and Oklahoma State, inserted into those roles for the Penn State Nittany Lions. We're about a week and a half removed from that news. 
Um, and, I, and I'll tell you what, James Franklin said it was a philosophical change that he needed, but it was a different tone overall than I anticipated. I thought we would hear a lot more excitement about Yersich, which we did hear some, but there was a, a, a lot of concern from Franklin about where the offense was in 2020 and maybe where he felt like it would be headed again. And when his guy came up, someone who's been near the top of his list, uh, he did not hesitate to make that move. Yeah, I think it was all about the opportunity there and and really 2020, you know, being what it was and and watching that team and going through sort of, you know, they grinded out those four wins at the end of the year, which is great, but at the same time, it was not entertaining at all. And I'm not sure how far behind you would have been in installing Kirk Shiraka's offense that, you know, how would that affect when you get into August and September? So that I think that's something to take into account. The other thing here is I, I think you just look across college football, you see the three elite teams and then everybody else, Penn State obviously in that everybody else category. And, uh, you know, you're going to have to do some some crazy things to beat some of those teams. And obviously one plays in your division and that's going to, you know, shake things up for you every single season. Um, so I think it's more about the explosive plays, more about the points and more about the, uh, you know, it's it's such an offensive game these days that you want to go out there and you want to score 50 points a game. I know that's probably a long ways off. Off, especially from what we saw in 2020, but I think that's the move you needed to make. I mean, even, even when Kirk Shirock, and, and I'm I'm big Kirk Shiraka fan, I think he's a very good offense coordinator, even when he was doing great things at Minnesota, you're doing it scoring, oh, what would they score against Penn State uh, when they beat them in that 2019, you know, 31 points or something like that. So it's not like a, a run them up and, and, and get it going type of thing. So I think that might have been something that when you talk about philosophical differences, you know, James Franklin, I think, understands that you're going to have to like, run and gun and outscore some of these guys, some of these teams when you have to, and, you know, keep that defense from, from, from folding. And I think that's where the college game is gone. And I think he recognizes it. And I think that went into it also availability. I mean, this guy, let's, let's face it, this guy, uh, was not going anywhere. Ohio State was not going to let him go to Penn State. Mike Yersich, obviously, I'm talking about Texas. I mean, that's a big contract to 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 figure out a way to buy him out of or do whatever. Now all of a sudden he's unemployed. Hey, that makes things a lot easier. Dating back to 2013, when Yersich started at Oklahoma State, um, you look among FBS offensive coordinators and their role in, in helping orchestrate those attacks. 6.49 yards per play. That is first among all offensive coordinators during that span. Uh, 14, just a, just a tick over 14 yards per pass completion is first among Power 5 offensive coordinators during that span. A lot of points involved uh, along the way as well. And Franklin said, if you want to get to a point where you are competing for a championship, you've got to win 42 to 41 games, or at least you have to have the ability to win a 42 to 41 kind of uh, contest. And um, here is Franklin himself for the first time really addressing what went into this offensive coordinator move and, and why the timing had to be right for Penn State. As you saw the process, the way it played out, it, it obviously happened. It happened pretty fast. Um you know, Yersich is a guy that I've been in contact with and, and communicating with for, for a long time. And I think at the end of the day, it was a very tough decision, obviously, uh, but philosophically, um, you know, I felt like it was the right thing for us to do uh, to get where we want to go and, and play, um, you know, a style uh, on offense that that I think is going to be important for us to play in a lot of different ways. Um, you know, a lot of different ways, whether it's, you know, whether it's, um, you know, our, uh, our team and what we're going to have to do to be successful on the field in terms of, 
explosive plays, turnovers, um, and then obviously, you know, scoring points. You know, those things are, are the three most important things you're going to do on offense. Uh, how that impacts our locker room, how that impacts uh, recruiting, uh, all of it. So uh, combination of all those things, but but a very tough, tough decision, but something that I felt like was the right thing for us to do uh, moving forward long term. Franklin, over the course of this call, repeatedly referenced turnovers and, and wanting to cut down on those and explosive plays and wanting to build up on those. And Duh, of course, scoring points at a high pace. And uh, this is you know, something where you know, the tempo, the deep shots that we referenced uh, last episode last week uh, also worked into the conversation with Franklin. But there was, the interesting thing here is, Sean, a yearning of sorts to get back to what Penn State was doing a few years back, certainly with Joe Moorhead and the success they had there uh, en route to a Big Ten championship uh, the years after I think we've seen now in the years since that they had some serious NFL talent on that offensive roster. Look, you may have that in place here with some of the talent, but that's around uh, the quarterback position. We're going to talk about quarterback in a moment, but I thought that was really something where he felt like last year that we had heard a lot about this blend, bringing Chiraka in, applying what he does and what he has done as far as his track record going back to what Ricky Ronnie and Joe Moorhead did in the years previous to his arrival didn't seem like Franklin was pleased at all with, with how that blend turned out. We've already discussed you had no spring ball, spring ball. You had a very strange setup working your way into the season. And even during those game weeks and how you were able to prepare your offense compared to any other year with a new offensive coordinator. But Franklin very much stating they want to get back to some of the things that they have had success with in the past. And uh, so essentially circling back uh, in, in, in a philosophical standpoint uh, with a coach that they are very high on. That sounds great. That's good coaching right there. Get back to what you did when you win the Big Ten. Get back to what you did when you won the Fiesta Bowl. It's pretty simple, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, so I, I think that that's uh, certainly you know the way that I would lean to it, and I think that they have gotten away from that a little bit. And when you bring in Kirk, you're you know you're running on first down, you're running on second down, then you're you know, and I know this was not exactly the offense that we thought we would see, not exactly the offense that he's run during his career, but it's been you know fairly bland, fairly you know uh, predictable, and that's really been the toughest thing. I think that that you know Joe when he would call plays, and I've talked to some people across the country who try and scout Joe Moore. Head. And and it's interesting because he's not the hardest guy to scout in the sense that uh, you know you think you know what he's going to do and he's and, and he has his tendencies and he does it but that's more his personality that's more of his brash play, uh, play calling style where he says okay here's where I think you're going to be and here's how I think I'm going to beat it and this is what I'm going to do to beat it and you know that that doesn't always work out too well at Oregon they sputtered at times this year because of it um, but I think that it, what's really interesting here is just you know that that whole you think about the change from 2015 to 2016 and I don't believe you were around at that point but it was so markedly different in terms of hitting these big plays and taking these chances and, and we saw this year you know Penn State just went right into a shell as soon as there was a turnover or something like that they didn't take these chances chances, uh, whether that's on Kirk Scirocco, whether that's on James Franklin, I mean, you can still throw that one up for debate, but at the same time, you just didn't see um, those things. And, and you know, we've seen big plays from Kirk Scirocco, Penn State. Penn State's defense saw big plays from Kirk Scirocco when he was uh, out there at Minnesota, but it just uh, didn't add up and didn't have the flow. Um, you know, the, you never thought, um, you know, watching those teams, and granted, you, you nailed it by saying that those teams had NFL talent all over the place, but you thought that that would be a team where you could go and score 21 points in a quarter 
and only run six plays, something like that. This is a team that you watched last year. You thought, okay, they they have to be methodical because that is really the only option that they have. So I think they want to get back to maybe taking some more of those shots. And, you know, obviously it's a lot of it's going to hinge on quarterback play. But at the same time, you get a guy in there that's willing to, to do that, willing to throw the ball around, tempo, uh, you know, vertical game and all that kind of stuff. I mean, you, you've got a lot going for you to move to that type of philosophy. Franklin talking about those explosive plays, not only getting it done for you on the scoreboard, but also for the psyche of your program, the momentum swing that they can bring in games where you maybe need a shot in the arm. Um, And additionally, they're pretty easy to sell on the recruiting trail, Um, those big time plays and and, and particularly players who see themselves as capable of going off for 60 yard touchdowns. And you can show that to them. Uh, that, that helps as well. Speaking of guys who go for big touchdowns, Jahan Dotson, last time we saw him, went for two 70-plus yard scores against Illinois. As we've discussed, he is sticking around campus uh, for a, a an extra junior year, his fourth year on campus uh, with the Penn State Nittany Lions. But beyond him and beyond being excited about having him back, Franklin uh, also discussed the need to spread the ball around and get the ball into playmakers' hands. Now, we actually saw certainly an uptick in the receiver group because he had a second guy doing big things for a couple years. It was K.J. Hamler catching 50 balls and, and no one even coming close to that total. Last year, a little bit more even split with Parker Washington having a very productive year. Him and Jahan Dotson, I think, both end up as, as top 10 to 12 reception leaders in, in the conference. But when you look across the board, um, you know, the numbers do dip. You got Pat Fryermuth leaving town now, and, and, and you like what you've got in that tight end room. Um, not, you know, again, looking back at a team that had a lot of serious talent when, when Joe Moorhead was around, I believe in 2017, my first year covering the team, Sean, four guys were over 50 receptions on the year, and that included your running back, someone named Saquon Barkley. So I'm not saying that you can replicate that to a T. But I don't think anybody should feel bad about Mike Yersich in terms of the personnel he is inheriting as he takes this job. Well, you're just trying to get away from the over-reliance on one guy. I mean, we saw it with K.J. Hamler last year where he would get – 13 targets and the next guy on the list would, you know, maybe Pat Fryermuth would be somewhere in the middle there. But, you know, you're talking about the rest of the receivers having one or two targets. And obviously, you know, something that that saw Justin Shorter walk out the door because of it. So I think that that's, you know, something you, you want to get away from. And and really, you know, it's it's a lot easier to defend a team when you know exactly where they're going to go with the ball. So um, you get Dotson back, you get Parker Washington back. He seemed optimistic on what Keandre Lambert Smith can do with an offseason, even mentioned Cam Sullivan Brown. Um, dealing with the injuries this year, but you know, still thinks that there might be a player in there. And then you move on, you get some younger guys, you get the tight ends involved, and and all of a sudden you start to like these skill positions, guys. So yeah, I can see that you know spreading it around, and and you know if you're willing to take shots, that means you're sending guys down the field. You sending guys down the field, that means you're sending guys in and out of the game, and that gives you an opportunity to get more more players the ball. So I'm excited to see what which direction that's going to go in. And you know, <laughs> as as much as we can talk about the philosophy, as much as we can talk about the uh you know the potential for big plays it's all going to come back to one thing you know it yes the elephant in the room we've made it 15 minutes talking about this offensive coordinator change without specifically referencing the quarterback room and that's the big one here because uh probably as much as i've ever heard from james franklin and uh, you know granted the first couple years i covered the team he had a no doubt about it high caliber quarterback in trace mcsorley and since then it's been more about the competition talk in that room but whether it's Sean Clifford, Will Levis, some of the younger guys who were referenced here, the transfer portal was referenced. Quarterback was front and center in this conversation eventually. 
We're going to let Franklin do some talking here because he reiterated there needs to be another step forward for Penn State from quarterback if they want to achieve long-term goals. When you look at the metrics in terms of touchdown to interception ratio, when you talk about completion percentage, when you talk about uh, third down, uh, when you talk about wins and losses, the most important one, you talk about all those things. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't say that that we took a step uh, in, in the right direction. I wouldn't say that we had built on uh, the year before. And that's why there was, uh, you know, change. We had different starters. We had different rotations. We had a lot of different things. And there's a number of reasons for that, obviously. Um, but, yeah, I think that's that's another big part of this. Is, is getting back uh, to that position, uh, playing at a high level, and, and, and even taking the next step uh, of, playing, of playing really, really high-level football. And I think we all know whether it's NFL, college, or high school, that position is critical to your overall team's success, and, and that position is, is critical to, uh, to your offense's success specifically. And, um, you know, I, I think we feel good about the guys that we have. Uh, you know, I think I think Sean obviously has done some good things since he's been here. You know, I think he won 11 games the year before or was a part of us winning 11 games the year before. I think Will Levis has shown us that that he has the ability to, to be a high level player as well and has a very, very bright future. And then, uh, you know, obviously it's going to be really important for us to get a chance to to get a better understanding of, of where Taekwon is at in, in his development. And then obviously with Christian Bayou joining us as well, uh, kind of seeing where he's at. So you know, being able to develop that third quarterback uh, and finding out where the fourth quarterback is as well is going to be important. But but we got to take a, we got to take the next step there. And I'm not telling you guys anything that I haven't already spoken with. Um, you know, with Sean, me and Sean have had a number of conversations. Uh, me and 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 Will Levis have had a number of conversations as well as their families. Uh, so I think we all understand that. The further we go into this winter, the more apparent it is becoming, Sean, that improvement at the quarterback position is going to need to be an internal development unless we see some surprise transfer rolling here. And, and those are slim pickings right now when it comes to anyone with the true Power 5 pedigree. Sean Clifford is the name to know. Well, Levis is the name to know there. And then Taquan Roberson, who James Franklin said they need to learn more about him. He's thrown one pass through two years on campus. Along the way during those two years, Michael Johnson Jr. enrolled with him, then left the program. Uh, Micah Bowens enrolled last summer. He left the program on Friday, a few hours after we finished recording our last episode. Uh, just a few months on campus, we learned right before we record this episode that he is going to be a member of the Oklahoma Sooners in 2021. We're still awaiting confirmation, but previous reporting uh, from Oklahoma's 24-7 sports site indicated that would probably be in a walk-on role for Micah Bowens, but nothing official there yet. But He's out of the equation, Sean. Christian Veyu uh, is now into the equation as he enrolled over the weekend. But again, the front and center here, Sean Clifford, Will Levis, and then the door kind of open for Taquan Roberson. Yeah, that, I mean, that's pretty much what you're going to have to lean on for the next couple of months unless we see some splash where, you know, you all of a sudden you see a late transfer and, and you know, you get a guy in for the spring late. I, I don't think that's really much of a possibility as we sit here on what's today, the 19th and the semester started yesterday. So, um, yeah, it's going to be uh, it's going to be leaning on those guys for now. And that's obviously y you're going to need improvement. I mean, there's no uh, I mean, I'm sure we're going to try and find a way to say that for the next nine months, uh, but it's, it's going to remain that the fact that those guys need 
need to be better. Um, you know, will Mike Yersich be a, a guy that we thought could be a quarterback whisper? I, I don't know. Based on what we've seen, he's got his work cut out for him. So we'll see what happens with that. James Franklin seemed uh, pretty bullish on Will Levis when he talked about uh, his quarterbacks the other day. But, you know, that's that's kind of how he's talked about his quarterbacks all, you know, all throughout his career here is, you know, we, we see what they can be and all that kind of stuff. And, and I go back to saying things like, you know, what the spring would be really big for Taquan Roberson, get a chance to get him some reps, get a chance to get him out there and play live. But at the same time, those front two guys need some re- need a lot of reps and a lot of work as well. You know, that I mean, that was an issue last year for they had been on campus for a while, but Sean Clifford, Will Levis, they're both interacting with Kirk Shiraka remotely, just like everybody else in that quarterback room. And we had heard good things about Taquan Roberson in those Sunday scrimmages that Franklin w- was telling us about. But still haven't seen him face the live bullets. He saw a little bit of action against Rutgers back in 2019, that game that Will Levis started when Clifford was sidelined. It's a long time ago. I would anticipate he's a different-looking QB. He's year three on campus. You really do need to know what you have there because I've said this before. By the time Penn State kicks off again, Sean Clifford is a 23-year-old and Will Levis is a 22-year-old. I mean, you start to wonder... You know where is the ceiling for both guys, and 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 how are they situated? I know that the eligibility has been all thrown for a loop. Clifford has two more years, and Levis has three more years of eligibility because of the NCAA's decisions in 2020, and because each previously took a red shirt. But we talked a lot during last off season on this very podcast about look at Kirk Shiraka's history with quarterbacks. Look at the major leap that Tanner Morgan made in 2019, and we saw it firsthand in Minneapolis when Penn State went out there and played the Golden Gophers. And by the end of 2020, Tanner Morgan is looking like a below-average quarterback. You've seen recession from your your quarterback play um, here at Penn State, and you're left wondering, here we are again, a guy with a you know certainly a, a pretty sterling track record at the quarterback spot. Um, you know, guys like Mason Rudolph and Justin Fields, of course, and, and then Sam Ellinger at, at, at Texas. But man, uh, there's a lot of questions to answer, and and you know, for as much confidence we heard going into the last season from Kirk Shiraka, from James Franklin, from Sean Clifford and Will Levis about where they felt like quarterback play and the offensive play was going to be when they got on the field in, in late October, just did not happen. And so we're gonna take probably every commentary we get from the practice field, or hopefully not the lack of practices, and you're gonna have to apply a grain of salt to that until we see it come to fruition. Um, for Penn State in the football field. Welcome to the club, buddy. Uh, no, it's uh, it, it, and I think the thing of, about that is he's actually going to have a chance to work with these guys. It seems like they are now. James Franklin cast a little bit of doubt on spring ball. He says we're preparing for it, but we haven't gotten the official word uh, so far. So take that for what it's worth. But yeah, I think he's going to have these guys on campus. It's going to be probably similar to what we saw during the season. A lot of Zoom meetings, a lot of things like that. But you also will get a chance to, to actually physically be around the players, which, you know, it's, these guys weren't on campus from what, March, the middle of March, or the, actually the beginning of March, to all June. the way up through through, through June for, for some of them, not even all of them. So um, you're going to get a chance to, to actually work with them. And, and like I said, that's, that's one of, I, I don't want to cast it as a raw deal for anybody because there's, you know, uh, coordinators and coaches get paid a lot of money, but to be able to go into a season without actually having worked with a guy that, that sucks for Kirk Chirac and that sucks for uh, Sean Clifford and, and all those quarterbacks in there. So we will, we will see how this goes. And you're right. I think you got to take it with a grain of salt. You got to, you know, expect improvement, but not, I mean, that's really not, not the uh, you know it's not the, the the great standard for anything anymore because you're not going to see it until they get out in the field not even in April for the blue white game but all but but until they go out to Wisconsin in uh, in September 
I think the, the personnel standpoint here is more maddening to the fans than the coaching standpoint, although they're certainly tied into each other. The fact that back in April 2019, when Tommy Stevens announces after spring ball that he's going to pursue a transfer, that puts Sean Clifford and to a lesser degree, Will Levis into the spotlight as the two guys. Two years later now, Sean, and, and now uh, what three offen- uh, on a third offensive coordinator since that point, it's still those two names that we're talking about. They've gotten older. Have they gotten better? But the question is, you haven't brought anybody to the program that's been able to, from what we understand, leapfrog either of those two options and present someone new. And then you turn on your television in recent weeks, watch the college football playoff take shape and just see such a high, elite, truly elite level caliber of quarterback play for these teams that are out there making the big splashes on the national stage. Yeah. I mean, there's uh, really no way around it. It's such an important position. I mean, it's the not really the be-all, end-all because those teams have great talent everywhere, um, but it, it can be the difference between a Penn State and Ohio State. That's for sure. Well, that's going to do it for this part of the conversation, but James Franklin did get into it with some transfer portal talk and how that's kind of blending into the team's approach as the signing day in February starts to creep up on us. We'll get into that. We'll talk a little bit about recruiting. A new crystal ball pick is in from Sean. Uh, Additionally, our five-star mailbag. We're going to stay with the quarterback theme for that as well, right here on the Lions 24-7 podcast. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Conversation rolls on here, and we continue to keep that focus on James Franklin, who uh, we got for that significant period of time on Monday afternoon. I'd encourage everybody to go over to Lions247.com. Mark Brennan, uh, our colleague, got a full video of that conversation. A a lot of questions sent in Franklin's way. Some of them more timely than others, but we'll take what we can get here in the middle of winter. We expect to get him again in a few weeks for the National Signing Day. And Sean, that's where we we kind of turn our attention toward now. We've got a couple weeks before February 3rd, which is that traditional, used to be the end-all be-all of recruiting, right? It rocked our world. It was the center of our world covering recruiting. And now December has become that. But there's still that signing day. We know Penn State, in Franklin's word, has some wiggle room with their roster right now. He said he wasn't sure if they would be addressing that more so with high school standouts or guys who are already in the college game uh, through the transfer portal. What he did say was, and this was off of a question asked about quarterbacks in the transfer portal, he says they feel they owe it to themselves, they owe it to the program, that when guys reach out or opportunities come up, that they explore those options. Not everybody's going to be a fit. Not everybody is going to be worth pursuing from Penn State's standpoint in the transfer portal. Um, but but when there is some reciprocated interest, you've got to be aggressive. They've already got four 
FBS starters who have come into the program, two on the defensive line, one at running back, and then one at cornerback. We'll see how they all handle themselves with their first semester on campus. But it doesn't sound like Penn State's done yet, and, and he circled back, Sean, to James Franklin, to the same two spots he identified in December as priority areas on the transfer portal market, defensive back and defensive end. Well, those are roster building type things. I mean, it's just not, you're not solving the problem by bringing in one guy at each of those spots. And obviously, um, you know, Arnold Ebikiti and, and John Dixon are, are pretty good ads, um, you know, two of the better ads in the transfer portal altogether. Um, at least we expect them to be. Um, but yeah, it's just, uh, it's not going to be fixed. You've got holes in that defensive end group um, for various reasons up and down the, the scholarship roster. So if you can bring in a guy that's got a couple of years left, I mean, that's probably not going to upset your um, starting balance right now because you're leaning toward Ebikiti and, and Adisa Isaac as those starters. Um, but you bring in a guy with a couple of years left, you, you get some options in there. We saw the uh, the kid from uh, – it was Carney from Illinois came out, and there was a, a little bit of a market for him. And, you know, I don't know that he got the uh, the interest that he was expecting. He's going to go back to Illinois. Um, but you, did, you weren't looking to add a second guy that's just going to come in and play for one year and then get going because you find yourself in the same situation a year down the road. Now, you know, hopefully Ebikiti can come in and produce. And of course, we think a lot of Isaac here and thought we should have seen more of him in 2020. But still, there's there's a lot of issues at the defensive end. And that's not going to – I don't even think they'll be solved by bringing in another guy. Uh, defensive back-wise, we talked about a guy like Christian Tut from Auburn. He, he went back into – or back out of the portal and is going to go back to Auburn. Uh, that's not going to happen. So, you know, they're still going to keep their eyes out there. And I think you're, you're right. It means safety. I mean, they've got a lot of corners. Um, we might see some guys moving over to, uh, to safety for the spring. Um, but, yeah. It's got to be a safety that you can come in and maybe try and pair with Brisker and maybe find a quick fix. That I tell you what, that kid from Georgia Southern was a really, really good player. Ended up at Louisville. I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but a guy like that that you can sort of try and plug and play. And if it doesn't work, you know, Jair Brown's still there. And you see what you got with Tyler Rudolph and Enzo Jennings and those guys. But uh, yeah, you've got uh, so you've got options. But I think that when you talk about building up a position like defensive end or building up a position like safety, two of them that they highlighted at the start. It's not just bringing in one guy to come in and, and play for one season. I think it's sort of about that, uh, you know, that, that balance between a guy that can be an immediate impact and a guy that can come in and continue to grow and continue to help your roster for the next couple of years. Now, going back, he says, we owe it to our team to explore every position. That sounds like lip service, but he did bring in, they did bring in four guys and those four guys are on campus now. Um, so, I mean, there, there's some substance to what's going on there. Of course, everybody wants to hear about quarterback and that's what the question was asked. You know, it wasn't really about the, the transfer portal as a whole, even though that was asked about later. Um, it was asked about quarterbacks. Will they go after a transfer quarterback? And he's not going to commit to it. We've been telling you that for a couple of months now, but they're going to continue to explore those options. And, you know, just having him lean that way, having him say that is a little bit more than we would have gotten from him back in December when talking about the same subject. He did not say we have our quarterback group for 2021. We're going to move forward with these guys and see what we've got in the room. He, he, he said that later on. He, he mentioned the guys in that room. But yeah, and your answer here. He broadly applied the terminology of, of being aggressive with the transfer portal in reply uh, to, to the quarterback question and, and owing it to themselves to explore those opportunities. And you can rest assured there have been quarterbacks, and um, whether reported or not, that, that have you know started trying to spark some, some reciprocated interest with Penn State. And not every option is going to make sense for Penn State. And everybody that Penn State may be interested in seriously – 
might not feel the same way about ending up in state college. And you got to find that fit. And, and another thing you mentioned when you're surveying the transfer portal is what is that impact going to be you know, on your roster? You know, there's going to be some, 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 some fallout from each of these decisions. You bring in a John Lovett guy who started three years at Baylor was a leading rusher for a, for a power five conference champion a couple of years ago. You bring him into that running back room, rest assured the other running backs will take notice. Uh, you bring a quarterback in, particularly a guy who has started at the FBS or Power 5 level, you better believe that's going to change some dynamics, especially when you already brought in an offensive coordinator who didn't personally recruit any of them to, to campus. So uh, there, there's a lot for them to deal with. There, there's some things that you have to really walk a, a tightrope with as a coaching staff when looking at the transfer portal, but uh, certainly something that, that they remain open to. And, and as he said, you know, look, the, the wiggle room is there. It's it's not always something that, that you know, you usually d- maybe don't have two avenues to pursue with transfer versus a high school senior right now. But, you know, Sean, we're a couple weeks away. Uh, so, you know, you've kind of got to make some decisions. Which eggs are you putting in, in, in the basket of, of some of these high school seniors? Who are you turning away from? How much do you want to put that stock into the transfer portal instead of maybe grabbing an 18-year-old? You end up with a 21-year-old. He maybe he's more ready. Maybe the ceiling is lower. I mean, there's a lot to juggle here, but it's going to have to happen pretty quickly because February third is is really right around the corner at this point. And and they're not going to abandon you know just going after some of these high school guys. And granted, there's only what five guys still on the board here in 2021. Uh, it's not there's slim pickings out there. So uh, and they've got space. They've signed four transfers, fifteen guys uh, on scholarships. So it puts you at nineteen. So just going at the simplest of math under that hard cap of twenty five, you got six more spots there. So you can make it work. I mean, that's certainly not a not an issue whatsoever. So we will see what happens with uh, the portal heading up. And, th- and that's the other thing. The portal does not end. I mean, signing day is on February 3rd. The portal does not end. You'll see guys go into the portal um, after the spring semester starts. You'll see guys after spring ball when they kind of get uh, the writing on the wall from where they're at. And even in the summer when you just kind of feel like you need a change. Uh, so the uh, the portal never is is never ending. It's, it's a mysterious place. It's something that uh, <laughs> we can't view uh, as the public, but it's, uh, it's never ending it's i guess omnipresent would be a good way to 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 make the uh the portal known so it's uh it's fun to follow for us it's been quite a boost to our uh, off-season traffic numbers i can tell you that uh but it's been uh it's been remarkable to to follow that uh that uh i guess the the progress of college football i guess we can call it that and it's been uh it's been something that we're gonna keep uh keep tracking over the next couple of uh of months the evolution, uh, uh, you know, I think That's there's probably it. different, different the opinions yeah. on whether it's truly progress or not. And, and depending on who you speak with, I know James Franklin has called it different is a, is a phrase he has applied to it. Um, but yeah, I think you look at this and, and you're exactly right. We're not even done seeing the, the coaching carousel spin. We thought you might be. And then there's this bombshell out of Tennessee. That means Tennessee is going to go after our hire a coach and, and maybe they'll take an offensive coordinator away from somebody. You know, there's all these ramifications that could impact the way a, a player views their program going in, coming out of spring ball, and, the, and and apply that here to Penn State in terms of guys who might not see a fit for themselves here anymore if you get some spring practices and, and you get an opportunity to, to kind of see what's around you in your position group and see what the coaches may be thinking uh, about this upcoming fall. And that's going to happen on all these different campuses. That's why I think it's really important uh, for spring practice as well. It's always a good litmus test to really look yourself in the mirror as an individual, maybe have some difficult conversations with the coaching staff and be able to get proactive because if you're still on a, on a roster going into the summer, you're really putting yourself in a bind if, if, if you're not going to be all in on that team. So 
Uh, I think you're right. We'll see things continue to shake out. Just a couple other takeaways for, from this conversation. Uh, Franklin got, got some family time in. We knew that was very important to him. He's now back here alone, away from the family, but went down south, said he was with family 24-7 for a few weeks. As Sean noted on this podcast earlier, surprised them for Christmas Eve. So uh, I think that's something that he needed. Sean sounded like a recharged guy, sounded like a motivated guy. Someone who was ready to defend and make his case. Uh, not that he really needs to do it to us in the media, but about that offensive coordinator move. And he sounds like, he, you know, the way he talked about the transfer portal, being aggressive there, the way he talked about the quarterback group, and basically saying it's time to elevate this stuff if we're going to get the job done. Uh, anyone who was worried about him being all in on this process, I think he's back on campus. He's there. And, and, and like he said, We'll see what he's actually able to accomplish on the football field. They're planning for spring practice. They're planning for a, a typical on-field kind of offseason. But the two biggest thing here, two biggest things here. One, doesn't know if he's going to have the green light for spring practice yet. That that is an unknown deal. And two, doesn't know when he's going to have the green light to host recruits again. So it's really hard to coordinate schedules professionally and personally for these upcoming months. Just like a lot of us. Because those things are such important unknown factors. Well, luckily, we heard for the seventh time this uh, this season about how hard it is to not have visitors on campus. So that was good to get that out. But moving on to recruiting, we talked a little bit earlier about the uh, new crystal ball pick. I, I put up a story uh, yesterday about Penn State's recruiting efforts in Maryland. Obviously, Maryland, very, very important for Penn State every cycle. Uh, signed a, a handful of guys out of there last year, including Landon Tangwall, who you'll hear from in our next episode. Uh, Tyler's already done that interview, obviously, as he's on campus. Um, but yeah, it's a big year in Maryland. I, you know, it starts, it's, it, Maryland's always so interesting because you've got the private schools, you've got the public schools, you've got St. Francis going, uh, just from really out of nowhere to in the last five or 10 years, just becoming this, uh, IMG Northeast type school. And it's been really interesting for the dynamics. And of course they didn't play in the fall. So that adds another dynamic to, uh, what's going on there. Um, some top targets in, in Maryland. And I, I think it starts at McDonough as it, as it often does for Penn State. It's, uh, it's been a spot where they've had a ton of success. Their coach uh, you know, played with Tyler Bowen and I think played for James Franklin as well at Maryland uh, while he was there, Hakeem Sewell. Um, so it's, uh, it's a very important sp- spot there. And I put in a crystal ball pick a couple of weeks ago for uh, Deny Dennis Sutton, a fantastic defensive end from that school. I followed it up yesterday. Defensive tackle Quan Williams, a guy that plays on that same defensive line. Um, and I think that I don't think they're a package deal, but I think that you know, it helps having one uh, rather than the other. And I think Williams is a guy that could come on board. Uh, He wants to do it before the summer. Uh, I'm thinking maybe April-ish, but as we've seen so many times, that timeline sort of uh, gets a little bit murky as you get closer to make that decision. So I've got a crystal ball in for both of those guys, and it's so big um, to be at a school like McDonough, which has guys, uh, you know, in 2023, they've offered Antonio Tripp, fantastic interior offensive lineman. So just keeping that I don't want to call it a pipeline, but it's probably as close to a pipeline as they have going right now. You wrote a big picture VIP story this week on on recruiting in Maryland for Penn State, and there's no doubt about it. McDonough has been huge for them specifically, and this continues that trend. Defensively is where is where you have really uh, reaped the rewards from that program. Uh, and, and Quan Williams, the number 19 defensive tackle by 24/7 Sports, uh, Dennis Sutton, the number five strong side defensive end by 24/7 Sports. He's a top 100 overall guy, and you're starting to see it. There's a lot of confidence right now among these 2022 commits. The guys who have been on board for a long time, like Caden Saunders, guys who have more recently joined, 
you're starting to see them chirp a little bit on social media, um, you know, and, and, and particularly Ken Talley had some interesting things to say uh, to some of those Ohio State commits or last weekend. So are you, I mean, I, you know, there, there's the drama within the recruiting trail and, and, and you got to go out and play football four or five years down the line and win big games to validate it. But you just like seeing that confidence. It was a really tough go of it for a lot of this 2021 cycle. We've talked about it a lot. That included the guys who were committed. It was really hard to, to drum up that kind of, that kind of stuff on social media. And, and, and I think that's good to see for the Penn State staff because it handles some of the things that you can't necessarily do yourself. If we do get the green light to see some of these recruiting things going, going to get really wild going into end of spring, into into the summer camps, all this stuff we became familiar with. That's all going on again. We'll see. I, I sure as heck hope we're there. I hope we're on the field, you and I, watching this stuff, uh, seeing recruits come back to campus and, and get a look at these kids in person. But uh, no, nothing is promised, as James Franklin is well aware of at this point. But boy, that would be big. It would make things more difficult, more tricky to keep everybody on board because maybe they want to go explore their surroundings, uh, but it really gives you a boost. Sean, we'll keep it quick here on the five-star mailbag and keep it to one question. Um, something that was asked here, a couple about the quarterback spot. We'll save one for next time. Let's go with this one. Do you think Penn State will become a more attractive place for higher-level quarterback recruits and transfers with Mike Yersich as offensive coordinator. I do. And and it's maybe not necessarily the reason the the reasoning is because Mike Yersich is coming in and he's got the, you know, he's worked with these guys that are pros now and he's worked with some very productive guys, Justin Fields obviously and and things like that. But I think you kind of can can cut the line when you're talking about the the reputation that James Franklin has with quarterbacks right now because it's not great. I mean, let's be honest here. You're talking about running guys. You're talking about Trace, who was fantastic, uh, undoubtedly. But at the same time, uh, you know, you saw the limitations and you saw some of the things that that made him different than a Justin Fields, a Trevor Lawrence, et cetera. And obviously, you know, nobody is is, is some of those guys. So um, it, it's it's interesting to me as you can try and change the narrative a bit. You can get away from the running quarterback. You can throw it around. And I think that'll help. And when you bring in, bring in a fresh face, it's not a, maybe a new coach bump that we've talked so often about with, uh, with head coaches, but you've got a chance to get somebody in there that is, is says, okay, this is my offense. This is what we're going to do is we're going to throw it around. And I don't expect him to go out and get Quinn Ewers, but at the same time, I mean, you've got a guy that can come in and just be like, okay, I'm here. I'm new. I don't have like Sean Clifford, Will Levis, you know, even the guy, even the young guys, they're not my guys. You can come in and play right away. You can come in and, and have a chance. And that's that's going to be attractive for somebody. And we've heard from quarterbacks, our, our fellow 24-7 sports colleagues, coast to coast, really. Mike Yersich, you know, he was working on a different target board than Penn State was working on. And that goes back to Ohio State starting relationships with some of these guys who are now, now going to be seniors in, in, in 2021 getting to know them early on with a different program. And he's going to bring in a different list of guys, maybe a different priority list. You've got Bo Perbula on board. They have not been shy about associating with second quarterbacks maybe in that 2022 uh, class. And it's the same conversation we had last year, Sean. I said last year, you got Christian Veyu coming in, but no one else was recruited personally by the offensive coordinator. Well, now you can say you've got Bo Perbula coming in, but no one on the current roster was recruited by the current offensive coordinator it, 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 they got to go do it on the field. There's, it's nice to point to a resume. We talked about the resume a lot last year with Kirk Shiraka. You got to go get it on the field. I think they, they they hit a turning point at wide receiver, and maybe they can. And they've taken that to the recruiting trail now, uh, based on what they did this fall. You got to do that at quarterback. Trace McSorley, a record setter here, but a guy that you know, sixth round pick in the NFL, a backup quarterback in the NFL. 
that's not really super buzzy outside of the Penn State fan base, the Penn State community. One guy can turn it around, elevating the play of someone on this roster can turn it around, but more of the same regardless of who the guy is calling the plays. It's it's not going to generate the buzz you're looking for, but it can be a domino effect and it can happen real fast. Look at some of these programs that you know one year of strong quarterback play changes the narrative in a big way for you. <laughs> as the dog as the dog blows the whistle on the end of this episode, uh, let Sean get to it. That means uh, he's got someone coming off the bus uh, back from school. Um, for Sean, I'm Tyler Donahue. This is the Lions 24/7 podcast featuring our favorite pets. Take care. We'll talk to you real soon. What if I told you imaginary friends are real? This is just so exciting. This Friday, get ready for the movie event with the greatest cast you've ever imagined. Showtime. Ryan Reynolds, John Krasinski, Kaylee Fleming, Fiona Shaw, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, Louis Gossett Jr., Matt Damon, Emily Blunt, George Clooney, Maya Rudolph, Bradley Cooper, Sebastian Maniscalco, John Stewart, Sam Rockwell, Aquafina, Keegan-Michael Key, and Steve Carell. I need to throw up or I need a snack. It's one of the two. Gross. If. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Written and directed by John Krasinski.